From the journalists of The Australian, here's what's on the front. I'm Claire Harvey. It's Tuesday, April 19. Thousands of aged care workers in Queensland, South Australia and WA have voted to walk off the job in protest at low wages and inadequate staffing. It'd be the first national strike by aged care workers, with union officials saying staff are distressed that they can't properly care for residents and that wages are so poor they can't even afford petrol to get to work. A fresh news poll this morning has Anthony Albanese at his worst ever approval level slumping from minus three a week ago to minus 14 today, after a first campaign week littered with mistakes. Scott Morrison hasn't reaped the benefit yet, with a lift of only one point in his approval rating. The crucial two-party preferred vote hasn't moved in the past week. Labor's still in front. Later in the episode, I'll be joined by Simon Benson for his analysis. On the campaign trail, Albanese said Labor is open to new coal mines. Labor's position on this is very clear. If coal mines stack up environmentally and then commercially, then they get approved. And Labor would welcome any jobs that would be created from that. And Morrison was turning the conversation to familiar turf. We established Operation Sovereign Borders. It enabled us to close 17 detention centres. It enabled us to get all the children out of detention. It enabled us to get those children off Marnus Island that Labor put on Marnus Island. But first, Australia's most experienced political journalist, Paul Kelly, with some advice for Albo and a fresh take on what's at stake for the Liberal Party. Paul Kelly has covered politics for 50-plus years and his analysis is legendary. He's the Australian's editor-at-large and he joins me now. Paul, to win from opposition, recent Australian political history would suggest you either need to be ruthlessly effective with a negative line like Tony Abbott or have a sense of energy and big ideas like Kevin Rudd, regardless of how those two turned out in government. Does Anthony Albanese have any of those ingredients? Anthony Albanese, when this campaign was called uh, a week ago, was the front runner, and he remains the front runner. There's no question about that in terms of where the polls are, even though the polls are showing a tightening This situation is different to the three previous times since World War II when Labor has won from opposition, with Gough Whitlam in 72, Bob Hawke in 83, Kevin Rudd in 07. Each of those Labor leaders was popular and they had a substantial change agenda. They weren't running what you might call a modest or small target strategy. So Anthony Albanese is in a different situation. He's not really a popular leader, but to a large extent, he's still an unknown leader. Scott Morrison can't do a lot about the fact that he's disliked by a lot of the population. But what the Prime Minister can do in the campaign is to paint Anthony Albanese in an unfavourable light. And what happened in the first week of the election campaign was that Anthony Albanese helped the government implement that strategy by the series of mistakes that he made. Morrison now looks extremely confident. He's leaning into his unpopularity, saying, you might not like the dentist, but you know he does his job well. Is there a risk of hubris here for Morrison? I don't think there's a risk of of hubris at the moment. He needs to be careful about his language. Uh, 
often the Prime Minister makes mistakes with his language, so I do think that he needs to be careful. Morrison really believes in himself, but the point is that being unpopular is not an asset. (laughs) Being unpopular is a liability. And I think the Prime Minister is right in terms of the way he talks about this, basically saying that the issue here is who do you trust to run the economy? It's not a question of who you like or who you dislike, because clearly, if it's a referendum on Scott Morrison, then he loses. If the electorate votes on performance, then that's Scott Morrison's best chance of winning. During the worst times for Morrison, there was a sense Albanese was keeping his powder dry during the bushfires, during the height of the vaccine rollout problems. Do you think Albanese can turn it around from here? I think Labor does need to roll out some substantive policies. It does need, I think, to counter to a certain extent the idea that it's hoping to win government on Scott Morrison's negatives and that it's running a small target campaign. Now, it can't completely reverse that situation. And that situation, of course, has led Labor to become the front runner. Does Labor have policies to roll out or do they now need to scramble to find some? Albanese has been very assiduous in shifting Labor to the political centre, removing those risky and dangerous policies that the party had in 2019, bringing down a meaningful but more modest agenda. I certainly think it's not beyond Labor's wit to roll out some more substantial policies in this campaign. One of the features of the last week is that the Labor leader has been weak on policy. I mean, he didn't just forget these economic statistics. What this showed was his mindset was not on the economy. His mindset was not on border protection policy. And these mistakes are very damaging because they suggest a leader who went into the campaign without being properly prepared on policy. The Teal Independents and the Greens are coming after Liberal moderates Is there a risk that the moderate Libs could be wiped out and what would that do to the party? Well, it's certainly a risk. There's no question at all about that. Every sign is these independents are polling really well. And you've got to appreciate the arithmetic here. If these Liberal MPs are to survive, they've got to have a primary vote which is above 45% and maybe more like 47 or 48%, because essentially you'll have a preference swap between Labor, Greens and independents. And all the independents have got to do is poll 25 or 30% of the primary vote, and then they get the preferences. And it's those preferences which might take them above 50%. The arithmetic is very risky and dangerous for these high-profile Liberal MPs, and we're talking about really key figures here. We're talking about Josh Frydenberg in Kuyong, Dave Sharma in Wentworth, Tim Wilson in Goldstein, and Trent Zinnerman in North Sydney, just to mention some of them. I think one way to understand this election is this election is about the future of the Liberal Party and whether the party, as we've understand it, from the time of its foundation from Menzies, 
is going to continue with the same base of social and economic support that it's always enjoyed. This is an absolutely critical event for the Liberal Party. Now, one of the subsidiary issues, of course, is that if these MPs do lose, most of them tend to be on the moderate or progressive side of the party, and that would seem to suggest that it would strengthen, if you like, the conservative side of the party, which would exacerbate the problem the independents are complaining about. Paul Kelly is the Australian's editor-at-large. Coming up, a news poll crash for Anthony Albanese, but no apparent lift for Scott Morrison. Simon Benson joins us to explain what's going on. I'm Sarah Lamarquin, Editor-in-Chief of Stella and host of our podcast called Something to Talk About. Every weekend we publish a new episode where you'll hear compelling personalities, strong opinions and thought-provoking conversations. I wanted to be able to do it in my time when I was ready and speak my truth when I was ready. The topic of when do I become a mum, that is in my mind 24-7. Search for Something to Talk About wherever you listen to your podcasts. News polls out this morning and the first week of the campaign has been devastating for Anthony Albanese, although Scott Morrison doesn't appear to have reaped the benefit yet. Simon Benson is the Australian's political editor and he joins me now. Simon, there's a big slump in Albanese's approval, but only a tiny lift in Morrison's approval. What's going on there? Anthony Albanese has gone from a small target to a rather large target pretty quickly and that's the product of the campaign. I don't think anyone will be surprised that his approval ratings are down significantly in today's news poll after the disastrous week he had last week. As someone suggested to me, it's surprising that anyone actually voted in favour of being satisfied with his performance at all, let alone 37%. But to put that in context, his approval ratings are now the lowest they've been since he became Labor leader in June 2019. The last leader to have suffered such a sharp decline from one week to the next during a campaign was Kim Beasley. It was in the same sort of ballpark. So, look, these numbers will be very worrying for Anthony Albanese. They'll be particularly worrying for his strategists. And going into this week's debate on Wednesday, I think now there's a crisis of confidence for Anthony Albanese and this will be a major test of his leadership and also a major test of his character to see if he can bounce back from this. The coalition's on 35% primary and Labor's on 36. They've both fallen one point in a week, but the coalition's a long way from the 41.4% it got for a narrow win in 2019, isn't it? Absolutely, 35%. That's a disaster level of popular support for the coalition and 36% for Labor, equally bad. Another contextual point to make is that at 71% of combined primary vote for the two major parties, that's the lowest level of support for both the parties since 2017. It's also the lowest level of support for the two major parties during a campaign since Newspoll actually took records in the 80s. So the consequence of that, you've got independent and minor parties now commanding 29% share of the national vote, which is a record high. It makes you wonder whether the Teal independents really do have a chance in this election. 
There's been a small lift this week for the Greens, which has made some big policy announcements, and One Nation, which signed up George Christensen. How do you interpret those moves? When you see the Greens vote go up and Labor's go down in a poll, you're looking at some horse trading of votes on the left there. It's not surprising. I mean, another point to make in terms of Anthony Albanese's satisfaction levels is that we don't really know until you dig deeper into the numbers whether a lot of that is from Greens voters too. So it may not all be that bad for Anthony Albanese. On the surface, it looks diabolical. But that sharp fall in support in his approval ratings could have come from the left. They're people likely to preference Labor anyway. I think the thing to remember, though, is that a 29% share of the vote amongst minor and independent parties doesn't necessarily translate into more seats for independents. When these are fought at a very local level, it's not uniform. I still struggle to see how you could get any more than one or two elected. I think that the takeout from this poll is a pox on all houses, really. Simon Benson is The Australian's political editor. On Wednesday night, we'll get to see the leaders go head-to-head for the first time this campaign with the first big debate. It'll be live on Sky News and you can read all our experts' analysis at theaustralian.com.au. Access a world of true crime podcasts on Crimex Plus, where award-winning journalists take a deep dive into unsolved cases. Every week, we're waking up to a dead woman, a dead mother, sister, auntie, grandmother... It's not good enough. From the team that brought you The Teacher's Pet, Shadow of Doubt and Dying Rose, unlock early, ad-free and bonus content from brand new series and flagship shows such as I Catch Killers with Gary Jubilin. One was shot in the mouth and I thought he was dead. Another one had been shot with a shotgun and I got the overspray. Search for Crimex Plus on Apple Podcasts to start digging deep into the world of true crime.